Hello, my name is Braxton Russell. It is October 13th, 2020, and this is my first attempt at telling my story. Um, it's been a long time in the making. I've really wanted to talk about my experiences in Afghanistan and Iraq by writing a book, but writing is not my forte, so I figured this would be a little bit easier to get done. So, here we go. A little bit about myself. Um, I was born in 87 in Lafayette, Indiana. My parents were both college students at the University of Purdue. My dad was a reservist Marine and working on his degree so that he could be an infantry officer in the Marine Corps, which he did. And so I grew up bouncing around Marine bases my entire life. And we um, moved to California. We lived in Virginia three or four times. I currently live in Virginia. Um, and then when I got old enough, once I turned 18, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2005. And I went to boot camp on, I left for boot camp on September 11th, 2005. I was in high school when September 11th happened. And that's sort of when I decided that I wasn't going to go the officer route that I just wanted to go as soon as the war was happening because I thought that I would miss the war if I waited and went to college, which the war is still kind of currently going on, but our current president, Donald Trump, is trying to get us out of both Iraq and Afghanistan, for the most part. Probably leave some advisors behind. Um, growing up in the Marine Corps was kind of interesting. Um... I specific, I vividly remember singing the Marine Corps hymn after the Pledge of Allegiance every day, which is kind of an interesting thing. I also remember uh, tanks and other armored vehicles being brought to my elementary school so that we could play with them and crawl on them and look through the sights, look down the barrel, maybe not down the barrel, but mess with the different tanks and weapon systems. They'd bring guns to our school and we'd play with them. Uh, I remember one girl's dad was a Cobra pilot, and they landed some Cobras on our field, so they got to, for show and tell, they got to mess with the Cobra helicopters, which obviously the kids loved. Um, I remember there's the pageant of Marines, or pageant of uniforms, I think it's called, which is a Marine Corps tradition that we normally do at Marine Corps balls, if they're big enough, where a Marine dressed in the uniform from every war through the through the past since 1775 comes into the area and explains shows off the uniform explains what's going on um, and I remember in elementary school all the different wars were coming from the the stage stage left revolutionary war civil war war of 1812 everything and then all of a sudden uh, paint it black by the Rolling Stones came on and the Vietnam Marine came from the back of the auditorium and he walked up just wearing a flak jacket and trousers and um, he had a pack of smokes in his helmet and one of the girls asked like why do you have cigarettes it was pretty stupid but that's when I kind of in elementary school I knew that I wanted to be a Marine there's really nothing I thought about doing other than that uh, I was talented in art, 
some other things, but I always just wanted to be a Marine. So high school, nothing really exciting happened in my life at all. So once I turned 18 and I knew that I could pass a piss test for smoking pot occasionally, I went to the uh, recruiting station and enlisted. And then they tried to talk me out of going infantry. It was actually kind of an ordeal. They called my dad, who was infantry, and tried to get him to talk me out of it. Because this was in the height of the war. This was 2005. So the Battle of Fallujah had just happened like four months earlier. And uh, they were trying to get me to do something else because my test scores were pretty high. Um, and we... uh my dad and I basically told them, no, that's what I want to do. So I went to boot camp September 11th. I think the first check-in day was the 12th. But I left the night before. I think as you, as you do, you show up in the morning. Boot camp's kind of boring. It's sort of a breeze. A lot of funny stuff happened, like when the drill instructors are messing with people. But if you want a good rendition, just watch Full Metal Jacket. It's it's about the most accurate rendition of boot camp that I can I can I could sit here for hours and explain it, but that movie does it perfectly um, down to the T. So if you want to know about Marine Corps boot camp, either enlist or watch that movie. Um, and then went to School of Infantry, and there was kind of a weird thing that happened because I graduated in December of two thousand five, and there were so many people coming in because the war was like really ticking up or really picking up and the Marine Corps was upsizing. So thousands of us showed up at the same time and they had nowhere for us to go. So we were in what was called SAC company and it was the, <laughs> honestly, it might've been the eh, second worst place in my, in my Marine Corps career where we Reveille was at three thirty, and we would do like a, 1700 man roll call and people would be missing because people would run away and stuff because they were just treating us like shit and then we were not allowed to go to sleep all day we were not allowed to get in our racks all day but we had nothing to do all day so we just sat around and looked at each other every day for a month and then we would have another formation in the middle of the day where we'd go 1700 people plus roll call hours and then we'd have another one at like midnight and then we'd be allowed to go to sleep so for this month we were only getting like three hours of sleep and it was just annoying and a lot of people got a bad attitude after that a lot of people were kind of like fuck it and in my uh school of infantry company there was a lot of uh insubordination <laughs> towards the sergeants that were in charge and towards the instructors I had a buddy try to fight one of the instructors. It was pretty wild. And um, the training was it was kind of hard. I mean, some of the hikes were hard because we did like 26 miles one time. Um, that was pretty hard. But again, for the most part, not that exciting. I think, I think that if you got really good uh, school of infantry and boot camp stories it means you don't have any other stories and I hope that you agree with me when I'm done with this this story um 
So, graduated in March of 2006, showed up in Hawaii, I was in 2nd Battalion, 3rd Marine Regiment, 3rd Marine Division, uh, Golf Company, and then I was put in 3rd Platoon, uh, and my first squad leader was a guy named Lance Corporal Stinson, and my first uh, team leader was a guy named Lance Corporal Trujillo, who I actually still talk to to this day. Um, he, he's an interesting character because he actually was a security guard at the Mandela Bay Hotel Casino in Vegas when that shooting happened, but he had just gone home. He had just gone off his shift, so he narrowly missed that, all that terrible, uh, catastrophe that that was. Um, I digress. So back to the topic. So showed up. And that's when kind of the real training started, I'd say. And like the real hazing, you know. And it was kind of like boot camp all over again a little bit. Like these Lance Corporals. And my dad had told me, because he knew that 2-3 had just gotten back from Afghanistan. Um, they're actually involved in the Operation Red Wings. The whole uh, lone survivor story. They were, they were involved in searching for them. I don't know if they found anything, but they were sent out to the mountains and walked around. If you watch that movie, there's actually a 2-3 sticker or logo in the command center of that, um, in that movie. So they were, they were in combat, and they, they, to us, they were legends, you know, and we, we looked up to them so much, and they kind of treated us pretty harshly for being boots, but we were dumb boots, and we showed up, and we were, you know, I was... 19 I think I turned 19 at school of infantry so I was very young um started meeting some friends uh in my squad guys like uh Sears Montana well Sears I had met at school of infantry a couple of, you know I made a lot of friends at school of infantry but once we got to the platoon that's when we really became friends with each other because it's like you don't it's kind of weird because your friendships are definitely the people that you're with. So if you're with a certain platoon, you don't really hang out with the other platoons that much. So, you know, the, obviously you saw friends over there, but you kind of, especially when you're a boot, you're like stuck hanging out with the same people all the time because you're just sitting next to each other or training with each other or living in the same rooms with each other. Um, and we became pretty close, and we were all getting treated like shit, so we became very close because of that as well. We also were all, like, drinking. It was kind of very college-like, I would say. It was sort of the first time we were all not living at home. Well, a lot of us were that young, where it was it was like our college experience where we were away from home and were allowed to drink and fuck around for the first time in our lives. There were a couple older guys, like, Kreiser was a lot older, he, um, he was like 27 or something. Like we all kept, cause anybody who was a higher rank than you that you didn't know what rank they were, you had to call them sir. And, uh, so we would always run past this old motherfucker and we'd be like, good afternoon, sir. Good evening, sir. And he'd be like, I'm one of you dudes. Chill out. <laughs> like, Oh no shit. Like you're old man. Um, cause you know, you have to do your standard, like yes, Lance Corporal, no Lance Corporal. We even had to say yes, PFC, no PFC, because there was a guy that got NJP'd 
but he had been to Afghanistan. So even if we were Lance Corporals, which I wasn't, but some guys were Lance Corporals at a school of infantry, which is stupid as hell that the Marine Corps does that. But uh, <laughs> they um, <laughs> they had to call him by his rank because he had been to Afghanistan and we had not. We were dumb boots. And uh, we... You know, we, we, we got into a rhythm, and it, actually, I'd say that that first workup was the most efficient, I believe. It was the least bullshit going on, I believe, because um, it got kind of politicky, or in, like, some drama and politics and, like, backstabbing and stuff. There was a little bit of that as boots, but once we were all, like, fighting for fire team leader spots, squad leader spots... That's when things got real ugly after my first deployment. Um, but uh, that first workup, you know, our, our schedule is pretty set. We'd get up in the morning. We'd do a pretty good PT run. Our first sergeant would have us out running and doing different different workout type stuff. And then we would just train around the base practicing patrolling like we'd just be walking through base housing or be walking around our own barracks or be walking around you know the px or whatever we just walked around base because we in hawaii we were stationed at uh, kanyoi bay hawaii that's where the third marine regiment is located which is the only regiment that's part of the third division third division is kind of a hoax it's kind of a ghost empty it's like a rotationally based thing so when reservists deploy they like deploy to okinawa they're part of the third division temporarily but uh we were the only active duty regiment so on k bay it was a tiny little base and you know 29 palms is bigger than rhode island as a base and so k bay is like as big it's like smaller than my neighborhood growing up and so we had hardly any training areas we tried to make the best of what we could so we used base housing, we used, there were some condemned barracks that we used, we did some simunition, uh, like paint rounds actually training, that was really good, we did a lot of really good training that first workup, uh, where we were, I mean they had these big barracks and we would practice clearing houses, clearing rooms, based off of Fallujah, and then Ramadi had happened since I enlisted, and then... Um, different fights throughout Baghdad were going on that whole time before I went to Iraq. And we trained a lot on, um, on formation stuff, on immediate action drill. So contact front, like learning how to go from like walking in a formation to getting online to attacking like there's a lot of moving parts and stuff that you have to practice over and over again to kind of get get it in your head where you're supposed to go when you get attacked from different directions and stuff we also practice a lot of ied stuff um which came in handy for sure um and we continued training and getting better and better and getting more and more shape more and more in shape and we started our first our first real training op was when we went to the big island this place called pta i think it's pakalua training area it's between the active volcano and mauna kea 
which has a big observatory on it. So it's kind of, it's a really surreal place to train. And we, it's like in the saddle between them, but it's at like seven or 8,000 feet. So it's cold. And, and it's just this weird lava, lava lake, or not lava lake, but lava flow, ancient lava flow. Looks like the moon or, or what it always reminded me of as I thought it looked the way the vegetation was is I thought it looked like the ce- the scenery from the original Lost in Space. The sort of like scraggly weird plants and like the rocks and stuff and that might be a reference that nobody gets but I'm I'm big into like old crappy TV shows and movies and stuff. I'm like a movie file. Um, but uh, we, we go there and that's when you start doing your fire and movement and fire and maneuver stuff, your real stuff where you're actually covering for the other squads while they attack. And you go, you start, you start small, where you, well, first off, it's at such high elevation, you gotta, like, wait a day before you can do any training, because that first, like, walking from the trucks to the, the hooch up this, like, tiny little driveway, you're, like, out of breath. So you gotta wait, you gotta learn, you gotta, the lungs have to get used to it and stuff. So then you go out and you start small with, as a rifleman, you start with your individual rifle training. So you, you shoot, you BZO your rifle, and then you work your way up. You start doing unknown distance course, which is basically sitting in the prone, and like targets pop up at different distances that you don't know, hence the name. And then you shoot, shoot them, and they fall down. Pretty simple. Then you do a fire team range, I think, where it's like four of you, and you're like buddy rushing with each other. Um, buddy rushing is this idea where if you're attacking a point, like an enemy target or whatever, I don't know, like a trench line or a pillbox or something, you attack towards it, but you keep the fire on it constant. So it's, it, the term that we use is I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. And then one, like, so two, picture two guys. And they're both laying there in the prone shooting at a target. And then it's like, okay, we're going to attack. So the first person gets up and rushes and he only runs for that long. I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. And that whole time the other guy's shooting. So then as soon as that other, the, the dude that ran hits the deck and he starts shooting, the second guy gets up and starts his run. And you sort of leapfrog. And you keep, the whole time the shooting's happening. And... That's that's sort of the same idea as fire maneuver because now instead of individual marines covering for each other, you have units. So you can have a fire team covering for another fire team that moves up, or you could have a squad covering for another squad, or anything. You could you could have half the battalion covering one squad moving up. It, it could be a bunch of stuff. And so, I guess it's a good time to explain uh, unit sizes in the Marine Corps. Marines have the biggest units. Out of all the out of all the militaries in the world, um, so it starts with the individual marine, and then you have three marines, and a and a one guy in charge, the fire team leader that makes a fire team, and then you have three fire teams makes a squad, and so you have three fire teams plus a squad leader, a corpsman, and a radio operator. So the marine rifle squad is supposed to be fifteen guys, and then you have three of those plus a platoon sergeant, another corpsman, and a radio guy, and a lieutenant's in charge of that. That's a that's a platoon. So that's about 52 guys, roughly, 45 to 52. And then three of those 
plus a weapons platoon makes a company, and then three companies plus a weapons company makes a battalion, and that's so then three yeah three battalions make a regiment, and a, a regiment was what was in Hawaii. That's the biggest size unit. It's the third Marine regiment. It's in Hawaii. Um, that has an RD some RD companies attached to it. It has logistics stuff attached to it, but on the battalion, from the battalion down, that's what's really important because that's kind of how we deploy places in this current war is that you would go and you would your whole battalion would go, which is about 1,500 guys. You'd go and you'd replace a battalion that had been there patrolling and working in that area as like for a one-for-one swap, like a squad for a squad over about two weeks and then you'd have uh, control of the AO. So back to PTA and you'd work yourself up. It was usually pretty cold up there, really weird terrain. Uh, I remember having like vivid dreams, like almost nightmares up there that I didn't really have anywhere else, but that place was, it was just kind of a creepy place. Um, But it was definitely the first time where you start getting comfortable moving around and shooting live ammunition because at school of infantry the highest you get is buddy rushing it's just teaching you how to be one marine rifleman in a squad what how you what you do that at pta was the first time i think it's range 10 where you actually take a hill set up machine guns cover a trench line get into the trench line use some grenades call in some mortars like it's you actually do all those things moving at once which is pretty, it was pretty fun. I, I really enjoyed stuff like that. I've missed stuff like that. Uh, now, that was 15 years ago. Um, so, we come back from PTA, and we start getting ready to go to 29 Palms for Mojave Viper. And Mojave Viper is... Our, our last training op before we go to combat. And so we go to, I remember we start really focusing on like Iraqi culture, Iraqi language, Iraqi, like how not to offend them, like what offends them, all this like really personal stuff. Like we're going to be re- really dealing with the people, like how to help them, like you know, find out what they need in their lives and then we can help them get it and that'll help us win their hearts and minds and all the stuff. And I remember kind of being like, huh, well, I guess the war, you know, we missed the big battles like Fallujah and Ramadi and stuff. So we go to 29 Palms and it's set up a lot like PTA. It's just scaled way up. So again, you start individual you work yourself up. So you, you do some fire teams, so just four of you, ranges. You do some grenade throwing into, this is the first time that you're throwing grenades like into rooms and clearing the rooms with live ammunition. You're using real grenades. You're using real ammunition. You're clearing houses, like concrete houses and stuff. Um, you work your way up. You do a squad size range, which I can't remember the name of it. And you're... Uh, so before I guess before 29 Palms, there's a, you got to explain the situation. So 29 Palms is 
it's like the it's like Death Valley basically. It's just there's nothing out there. It's just endless desert. Like uh, a marine has gotten lost and just died in like less than twenty four hours or something like that, just from the heat because it's so hot. So you're just pounding water. You're never hydrated. You're never you don't feel sweaty because it's just so dry that it just wicks away the the sweat off your body. But you're always dehydrated and you don't even realize it. So you're just pounding bottle after bottle after bottle of water, like forced hydration, kind of like the movie Jarhead. Um, and you, you live in this place called Camp Wilson, which is out in the middle of fucking nowhere. There's a like a shitty little PX and this place called the Warriors Club that like had pizza and other stuff. Um, no alcohol, except for at the end, which we'll talk about. But uh, we... Um, you get there, you acclimate for a couple days, and that's when you start like working your way up. You start, you shoot the, you shoot the, you BZO your rifle, you do individual shooting, you work your way up to the squad size, you do a squad attack, but you also do a squad defense, which is kind of cool. Like you're in a trench line or you're in uh, fighting holes, and the targets pop up and down, and they actually keep track of the score and make sure that you pass because everything at 29 Palms is graded. Um, and we keep moving along, keep moving along. We eventually go to, um, this huge city and this is where things, and you kind of rotate it through. There's like this huge fake city where they actually brought in a shit ton of Iraqi people, like Iraqi Americans or people that have been naturalized. And so they're like running around acting like they're pissed off when you kick under their door or they're, they're acting like they need medical help for their kid who got shot on accident or something like that. So it's actually, we're actually trying really hard to, um, be good with the people, work with the people, uh, you know, learn the language. We're really working, learning language. We're practicing patrolling around these cities. We do some paint round stuff in the cities, like without the civilians, obviously, where we're clearing houses and stuff. Because you're doing, you're doing a, like a 50, maybe not a 50, maybe like a 75 kinetic fighting, 25 learning Iraqi stuff and dealing with fucking civilians and shit. And it's, the focus is really figuring out what these people need in their lives so that we can get it for them. And, want, and then with the idea that it'll pay off. And I remember just being frustrated because I know that they were told to act extra annoying. So we all kind of already didn't really like Arab people because of September 11th. And the war had been going on for four years at that point, five years at that point. And so we were all kind of like, fuck these people. (laughs) Um, But we still played by the rules and we really, no one wanted to hurt anybody, I don't think. I think we all went in with the best intentions. But uh, after the city part, you go out to the desert and you do uh, range 410 and range 410 alpha, 410 and then, or yeah, I think it's range 410 alpha and then you do range 400. Range 410 alpha is a platoon size attack range where you really learn um, how to cover a squad moving up and then you, you know, you clear three trenches, three squads clear three trenches by coordinating the fires and covering the different trenches as you move the platoon forward. 
and then range 400. Range 400 is impressive. I think there's a video on YouTube that sort of shows everything about it, but it's crazy because the range takes like six or seven hours. And we were just in such good shape at that time because all we did was PT and we were just studs. We were all like in our prime. And you have machine guns up on a hill shooting over your head and you attack the whole company. So it's a company size attack range with all three platoons and weapons platoon. Uh, you got the mortars dropping mortars, you got the rockets shooting rockets, and you got the machine guns shooting machine guns. You even had the battalion sniper team up on a mountain who like initiates the attack by taking out some officers, in quotations. But you also have battalion assets like the 50 cals and the Mark 19s. Heavy machine guns were shooting uh, from weapons company. And so it's a pretty cool range. And at this point, it seemed like our company commander was pretty good. He didn't seem too bad. I, our seniors talk shit about him because he had had an ND in the COC. <laughs> Ironically, the one that was in fucking the movie Lone Survivor. But uh, <laughs> he had an ND, which is called a negligent discharge. Basically, it's accidentally firing your weapon when you're not in combat. So for us enlisted people, that's an instant loss in rank. For him, they punished him by giving him a fucking rifle company because he was just some admin bitch in the fucking COC. Um, so he, he apparently what happened was he had a target on the back of his door inside his office. So he was sitting at his office looking at the door which was closed. On the other side of the doors, the COC were like the maps and shit and the radios and people walking around and stuff. And he aimed at the target that was on his, like a dartboard or target that was on his, the back of his door. And just blasts around through the door into the COC, through the COC. And his only punishment, I'm sure it maybe didn't help his career, but they gave him a company anyways. So, I, yeah, I don't fully know his story. Perry Waters. Um, but when we get to Iraq... I'll tell you about Perry Waters. Uh, but there was definitely a big focus on, uh, hey guys, we're teaching you all this this uh, shooting and stuff, but remember, most of the time we're going to be working with the locals, we're going to be building them wells, we're going to be fixing their plumbing, we're going to be building their, fixing their houses that have been hurt in the war, and blah, 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 blah. And I was kind of like, man, it's fucking lame. So we come home from 29 Palms and it was good training. I felt like we had definitely a chance to, I felt like we were ready for anything. I really did. I thought that we proved ourselves. We really busted our asses. We worked really hard. There were certain ranges that we did that just were super fun and super cool, like uh, 400 was cool, but there's also this, this attack range. It wasn't a range, but this, we used blanks for this, which is kind of lame, but it was in the fake city minus the civilians. And we actually had tanks. So we learned how to coordinate a platoon with two tanks attached rolling through the streets. So you're like clearing houses with tanks and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, and then we come back to Hawaii. We're in Hawaii for about a week. 
And that's when they select what's called ADVON, in quotations. So I don't even know what it stands for. I should know this acronym if I'm going to talk about this. But ADVON, basically what ADVON is, is they they go a month or two weeks to a month before the rest of us go. So our sister battalion, so from our regiment, 3rd Regiment, 3-3, 3rd Battalion, 3rd Regiment, or the way that we say it is we either just say 3-3 or we say 3rd Battalion, 3rd Marines, was occupying the AO that we were going to take over, which we were finally told where we were going. We were told that we were going to Haditha Triad, and we're going to take over a one-for-one swap of the Haditha Triad, which Haditha Triad consists of Haditha, Harkonia, and Barwana. So we um we they select who it's going to be and we all go on leave. So they the people who got selected went on leave a little bit before us so they could still get a good t- amount of time with their families um because this is the last time this was the last time that some people saw their families. So we all went home, and it was actually a pretty long um, leave block. And I don't remember anything, like nothing exciting happened except just sort of saying hey to everybody. I'm, I'm heading over there, and like my mom, when she dropped me off at the airport, started crying, and my little sister started crying. So that was pretty rough. But, uh, you know, because I was 19, I was still a kid, and it's crazy because I look at pictures of us, and it, we look just like 15 I don't I don't look 19 at all (laughs) when I went to Iraq but uh we come back from leave and remember we went on leave with the idea that we were going to be doing a lot of civil affairs type stuff like really working with the locals yada yada all the stuff and we kind of came back and the tone was a lot different and that's when they basically were like, hey guys, it's not what you guys trained for. Like, half of the Advon guys have already gotten Purple Hearts. Some of them have been hit in different, like, all different ways. Uh, the last three weeks, 3-3 has lost, like, a shit ton of people. So, all for some reason, it's all picked up. It's, it's not what we were expecting. And we were like, oh, shit. So, we're back in Hawaii for a couple weeks. And everyone was kind of just like nervous and we kept getting word that somebody else would get gotten wounded or 3-3 lost somebody else. And we started our journey to Iraq. And I think that's where I'm going to end this today. And uh, thank you for listening if you made it this long. And hopefully I'm hoping to turn this into something real that people can kind of get a different perspective on what went on over there and what it's like to be a Marine Rifleman. Um, so... Later. Hello, my name is Braxton Russell. It is October 13th, 2020. And this is my first attempt at telling my story. Um, It's been a long time in the making. I've really wanted to talk about my experiences in Afghanistan and Iraq by writing a book. But writing is not my forte. So I figured this would be a little bit easier to get done. So here we go. A little bit about myself. Um, I was born in 87 in Lafayette, Indiana. 
My parents were both college students at the University of Purdue. My dad was a reservist Marine and working on his degree so that he could be a infantry officer in the Marine Corps, which he did. And so I grew up bouncing around Marine bases my entire life. And we um, moved to California. We lived in Virginia three or four times. I currently live in Virginia. Um, And then when I got old enough, once I turned 18, I enlisted in the Marine Corps in 2005. And I went to boot camp on, I left for boot camp on September 11th, 2005. I was in high school when September 11th happened. And that's sort of when I decided that I wasn't going to go the officer route that I just wanted to go as soon as the war was happening because I thought that I would miss the war if I waited and went to college, which the war 